And in general, these kinds of, you know, forget the orcs, forget Mordor, forget all of the fantasy stuff, just the, the spirit and, like you said, the feeling that these kinds of images and stories and myths and possibilities inspire is, I think, exactly what I'm pointing to when I say, I don't have a point, by the way, I'm just acknowledging a question, which is, can't our experience at least mine, but I don't, I know it can't just be mine and Griffin's and my family's. It, it wouldn't be enough if it was just ours because I inherently am part of everything and part of a larger um, world, to say the least, whether I'm conscious of it or not. But can't our normal experience be inherently one of more consistent um, awe, A-W-E, that kind of curiosity. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode... Nine. Pretty sure this is nine. Yeah. Of Movement Matters. Yeah, you know, the ep- we release, we don't always release them in order. So I'm going to be honest. I'm not sure if this is going to be nine or eight. It'll depend on what Lorenz chooses. He's, uh, I mean, I, I kind of have some control over, but they, yeah, he's pretty good at it. And Joe. Thanks, Lorenz and Joe, by the way. Hey, speaking of uh, people. <laughs> Um, unrelated to the show, perhaps. As we're recording, literally, I just got a call. I just got off the phone with him. As I'm recording, this guy Jay calls. If you don't know about Jay, then you haven't been to Native Cafe. And Native Cafe, funny enough, is one of the sponsors for this show. And here's why. Do you need someone like a a friendly neighborhood drug dealer, but not like a real drug dealer, somebody who can actually just offer you like the kinds of drugs that are a little more socially acceptable, like caffeine and, um, I don't know, donuts. What are, what, what is, how does that translate into a drug? I guess you get addicted to the, the carbs, I guess maybe the wheat, something about the green. Anyway, do you need a good drug dealer, like a, a socially acceptable one? then you need to go visit Native because without a doubt, if you develop a good rapport, Jay or maybe somebody else from Native will eventually start calling you and asking you if you're coming in for your uh, your fix. And that's a really great system. I It helps keep the relationship strong. It helps keep their, um, their service available. And you get what you need. So... You know, Native Cafe, that's that's in a really it's the most important plug I can give for Native Cafe. If you if you haven't been yet, go get a good develop a relationship and you'll have your own friendly neighborhood um drug mule and, and pusher. You know, it's probably something you need, so consider that and go for it. You have my you have my support. My embarrassed Shame-ridden support. <laughs> okay. Uh, 
And that is a funny transition into the actual conversation. Thank you, Jay, um, for that lovely call. And the transition to my conversation with Graham Lickner. Graham, I just met him last December, and apparently we really, you know, the, the proof of how small the world is continues to just blow me away. First off, Graham used to deal drugs. And I can say that just straight up because he says that about himself quite frequently throughout the show. He used to deal drugs. I think it was mostly pot, but he, you know, he's very candid about it. And it's, it's, um, it's an aspect of the conversation, especially in the beginning. But what really clicked for us is this, well, I knew his father. And immediately when he, when Graham came over, we recorded face to face. When he came over here to Koru, he saw something that reminded him of his father. And we realized, holy moly, I absolutely knew him well, um, or relatively well. I certainly was around him enough because he was uh, the, he was a teacher and a coach at my high school. And I didn't know that Graham's father, Mr. Lickner, as I knew him, had died um, a little over six years ago. We didn't plan to talk about any of that, but holy moly, I should just curse, I always curse. Holy shit, did that characterize the intimacy that you really, that, that's really just flavors this entire conversation. There is so, that I, I enjoyed Graham before this, but the intimacy that you, you start to, I hope, hear us developing. There wasn't that much before. We, he's a very sweet guy and likable guy and friendly. Um, calls your brother, you know, if you, as long as you make eye contact, I guess, like you're immediately a brother. And, and that's wonderful. I love all of that. But I didn't feel the kind of intimacy that I now feel. And that's the point in a way of doing this, to connect I know it's possible with everybody. And if you do it, you'll really, you'll be so glad you do. You'll feel it. But everybody has to be willing. They have to be wanting. And whole, oh my God, it's just the most rewarding thing. Connecting, especially in the way that, as Graham and I discuss, you just, you maintain a curiosity. If you maintain a curiosity, and if you start with a curiosity, and if you continue to f have a foundation for how you live with the curiosity, I don't know how you can enjoy your life without that. And this is a proof. This is proof. This conversation that it's just everything just flows when you have that aware when you allow for that. Um, the only other thing I want to say contextually give a little context for Graham is that he is a coach. He is a, from what I gather, a very um, effective and powerful coach to many. I think he would call, uh, I forget where in California, home, but he is obviously from this area, hence we met in person, and you know, hence I knew his father. And he may or may not be moving to somewhere in the tropics, as he says. But all of that's a um, a way of getting into how we met, which I, I don't think I explain in the conversation here. Uh, we both went to uh, <laughs> the Delaware River with a mutual friend, Evan, 
And we jumped in the water. We jumped in the river last December. I think it was the 14th. It was a very cold day, December 14th, and it was a very cold river. And he was part of this, um, hopefully at least annual or regular polar plunging process that was just a true delight. And since then, we've been texting, and it was obvious that we it would be good for both of us. We would enjoy having more of a conversation. And this is what that is, finally. We've now done it. Um, so I leave you with that. Enjoy. I think you're going to love it. I sure did. And you can really tell as you're listening how much we are both just sort of, kind of in awe, which is the key word, curiosity and awe. A-W-E. Enjoy. And thank you, Graham. So Florida, carry on. <laughs> yeah, so Florida. So a bunch of clients in Florida and just really, you know, it's, it's really nice. Obviously, it's super sunny and and uh, tropical. I've never lived a little closer. Yeah, turn it so that you're okay. right there. Yeah, just cool. tap it. Yeah, be closer. Cool. Yeah, right there. or move move it even. But. Okay, cool. <laughs> About right there. Make yourself comfortable. All right, you can pull it in even. However you uh, want it to be. Right there. This is good. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. love the tropics, huh? Yeah. Well, I've never lived there before, so I feel like that'd be a cool thing to experience, and you know, give it a shot. I'm I'm definitely enjoying having lived in different places and uh, getting all those unique experiences and meeting the different people in different places. I think is just fascinating i mean south, south florida is really weird mix of people mm -hmm. you have like all these north northeasters mixed with like random people from all over and you get this really weird collection of people that just have this really strong energy it feels like you're just buzzing at all times it's really weird you're not talking about miami or uh, well York. everything between like west palm and miami oh. somewhere in there okay so and you've never lived anywhere in the tropics, technically. No, I've never lived in the tropics before. It'd be my first time. I I actually have now that I think about it. But but you're from around here. Yeah, from I grew up uh, just off Bristol Road in Chalfont. Right. Okay. Bristol and Upper State, Lower State. Yeah. yeah. So like ten minutes ago, we realized that I know you knew your father technically, and yeah. you are. So okay. That doesn't seem like that. My perception is that his passing is, um, it's not entirely negative for you. Yeah, actually, I think it, it that, actually. That's the vibe. Yeah, it gave me a lot of freedom in a, in a way. It really. Five years ago, he said. Yeah, it was uh, 2015, so six. It'll be six this year. Wow. Yeah, really. I felt like actually that was like probably the most significant experience that I had in my life and really. Um, it really gave me a lot of clarity, right? Because facing death, it, it gave me the opportunity to actually get to know my dad and remove all the ego from it and just like experience him. And so the last like year of his life, we actually really connected. And I felt like- So honestly, he was dying. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't obviously quick, he was dying. Yeah, he he uh, he had, he was in some, a couple test drugs and the first one worked really well uh, but it only worked for like, I think like, you know, maybe 10 months. And then it started, he started to like some of his things, you know, started to get kind of sick again and start to feel not so good. And then the second test drug he did, he was in the the test group for the highest dose. And that one just annihilated him. 
And like within like literally two months, he was like just a zombie. This um, is essentially a form of chemotherapy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I think the one drug was called Tarsiva that they, the well one I think worked for a little while. The second one, I don't remember. Uh, I just remember how fast it deteriorated him. Like it was incredible. I've never seen anything like it. And, uh, and you were roughly 19. I was, uh, I think I was what, like 21. Okay. You're a little older than Evan then. Yeah. I'm a little older. I graduate. I, my birthday is 93, okay. August of 93. Yeah. So you were in college. Were you in college? Yeah. I, I really, it was wild. I remember like I came home, I think it was like my junior year for Thanksgiving break. And we went to the Iron Hill Brewery in Montgomeryville. <laughs> It was good, you know, we we're hanging out. And I'm looking at my dad. He's looking really gray. And I'm like, we didn't have a really close relationship at the time, but I'm looking at him. I'm like, he kind of looks like he's dying. It was such a weird little intuition. At the time, I had no awareness of that at all. And I was like, man, he looks like, why, why are you so tired? And like, like literally two weeks later, he walked into the room and he just like, it was like really wild. He walked in, he like waved his arms. And he's like, I have an announcement to make. It's like our family. He's like, I have cancer. It's stage four, but I'm going to be all right. And I remember this, like, it was so crazy. This voice in, inside of me was screaming, like, no, you're not. Like, I just knew it. I was like, dude, this is it. And after that, I just knew, I was like, my life is going to change a lot, like now. And it was like really powerful. Yeah. So you're 20 seven now yeah 27 as a yeah as a you'll last be 28 office. this year yeah crazy yeah i knew i i knew him in passing quite a bit i doubt he would remember me by name because yeah. like i said i didn't swim didn't take gym but yeah he was a it's funny i'm watching <clears throat> on netflix the last dance right now the oh. one about so the sports connection and just mm -hmm. reflecting on old dynasties which the LaSalle swim team arguably was yeah for sure <laughs> and he was the leader of that um didn't really know him and didn't know that context but I certainly know I know what you're relating to in a way yeah. so yeah obviously there was no plan for talking about that given that we didn't even know that connection Great. 20 minutes ago a chair i love that it was from that chair yes Go figure. the lasalle chair you have a background in is like natural bodybuilding uh yeah is that not the right way that. to put it uh, I, I don't know i don't i wasn't a natural yeah. bodybuilder so. <laughs> <laughs> you were very well all right before or after this Iron Hill Brewery mm -hmm. moment was was that when you were was it before or after that you were yeah. being very very diligent about your definitely, sculpting definitely after after okay yeah. at that time I was like still an athlete I was playing lacrosse and oh you played lacrosse yeah okay. and I was like but you still didn't go to LaSalle even that would have been another dynasty yeah I didn't you and Leahy <laughs> I, I'm, yeah basically I realized I did the math one time I was like if I would have went to LaSalle I would have potentially had the opportunity to win like six to eight state championships in various sports <laughs> you would have been swimming as well, you think? Uh, yeah. Oh, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. And yeah, you have a swimmer's vibe about you. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you remind me of some of the high school swimmers. <laughs> swimmers are different. <laughs> I don't know what it is, man. It must be in the water all the time. It could be. The chlorine gets to your head. Yeah. Dude, chlorine. You don't have chlorinated looking hair, though. Not anymore. Oh, you did? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It was disgusting. You've healed. It was green. Well, I bring up your... <clears throat> 
you've I've seen pictures of the way you obviously were when you were relating to your body a particular way, dare I say the bodybuilding style. Yeah. Um and you've been relatively vocal about how you are not being you're not relating to yourself the same way. You're not trying to do you're not trying to force things in kind of this oversimplified way as I've perceived it. Yeah. But I'm curious to what extent now that I know about it, your father's death drove you in any way. And obviously that's that's a f- thing that I didn't plan for us to yeah. reflect on, but it must be related yeah, given it, what you said. It, it You've already indicated that it changed everything. Yeah, it, it's super interesting the way that, the way that it went and you're down. And you're fairly removed from it now. I mean, it's yeah. still, oh, yeah. I'd say that's still pretty fresh, mm-hmm. five, or almost six years, but yeah. or over six years now, yeah, but yeah, yeah. that's, relatively removed one could say it feels like it yeah i mean it's it's really strange uh, maybe you have you experienced that before my parents are both still alive fortunately oh, but okay. there is a relatively similar there is something similar but probably not worth bringing up um but the closest thing to i don't have any really directly comparable experience i certainly know people who have died right. unfortunately i know people who have even killed themselves right. far too many um but I don't have anyone like that. I mean, there's nothing that compares it to yeah, a parent, yeah. obviously, especially a father. When you're, yeah, it's uh, so. No, I can't. I can't relate. It's it's weird. Not really. Like, I best know, thing I can do is imagine my parents right, dying. Right. The the thing that's weird about it is that like after a while, you you have a harder time to like picture them and hear them like clearly, like what they would say it starts to become a little more distant. So occasionally in meditation, it'll like chime through really hard. And I've had some experiences where I like, will like like face to face and I'm like, and it'll make me really emotional afterwards because I feel like I'm listening to him like through time. It's so strange. But overall, it feels like the further away it gets, the less I remember, Uh, the lessons seem to be brighter. Like his 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 life's meaning and work and the lessons he taught are actually coming through stronger, but he's coming through weaker. It's really weird if that makes sense to a degree. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I think it's really worth hearing more about, though. Yeah, because so, so like you have a vantage point that I don't have yeah. in this regard. Yeah, so it's like two pronged. So the first thing I want to answer your question because that's a good one is like what dro- right drove me. So basically, well, it's an obvious one. <laughs> right, right. So basically, like. This was, you know, August of like 2015. And I had uh, just finished my senior year of college, but I was like, I needed another year because I was messing around. And, you know, I got into drugs in college. I was selling them. I was doing them. I was in all kinds of different Where'd things. you go to school? Temple. Okay. So you I lived in the city. probably knew my brother-in-law then. Oh, yeah? Paul Mensel. Paul Mensel. I think Liz Mensel went there too. Oh, I'm not sure doesn't matter <laughs> a lot uh, of people want to yeah yeah Forty thousand people but like you know but then again you know i didn't know that you knew my dad so there you, you never know um so it's interesting when when he passed away i i had already come to the conclusion that i was like i'm no longer going to participate in the behavior that was bringing me down so i like cut off all connections with like anyone that i was affiliated with in drug dealing and i stopped doing all drugs altogether um like six months leading up to the end of his life. And uh, the thing that drove me is really interesting. You're going to like this story. So I was at college and I got involved in like, a, 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 I wouldn't say it's a rough deal, but a bad deal 
where I had some drugs shipped in and they were confiscated, but I didn't have my name on the package. Oh, you weren't messing around. You you were- like, Oh yeah, I was in it. Legit. I, yeah, I was really moving. Like I really wanted to overcompensate for my own lack of self-worth. Do you, do you have a tendency to go all in on things? Yes, but it's it's shifted in it's shifted <laughs> in its in its uh, external look. Back in the day, I I forced it to be very obvious, and these days it's more of just like a a very relaxed commitment that I've made, where it's like I'm gonna show up every day for this yeah, thing. Yeah, I can perceive that. But I'm not gonna yeah. force myself to you know. I'm not, I realize that like if I do that, I'm actually gonna take away from my objective because later I'm gonna have to pay for that forcing. Well, that's a, that's again that's what I've been picking up on from some of the more public things you've been saying. Yeah, yeah that that's the vibe. That's pretty much directly what you've been yeah. expressing. So. Yeah. Cool. So, so yeah. So anyway, so I I went home. So you were a drug mule. Yeah, yeah. And after this, and after this uh, experience that I had, where things kind of went south, it taught me the lesson of like, you know, I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be involved in anything like that. Even though I thought I might have, or my ego was excited about that thing, uh, and the possibilities of being a badass, and you know, watching Boardwalk Empire, and like when it becomes real life, I was like, I don't want that. I don't want to be involved in that. And uh, so I moved home from the place, the environment that I was in. And all I did for an entire month was read Game of Thrones and go to the gym. <laughs> and and it was really cool because like when I did that, I started to find myself in the characters again. And that changed my life. Like finding myself in Jamie Lannister and Tyrion and these different characters and like seeing the attributes that actually were in, inherent in me that I had been kind of leaving um, pushing aside for these, for, for this like, uh, very ego driven desire to be seen and heard. And, it's uh, not on by the way. But, okay, cool. But I, I figured if I did turn it on, you wouldn't care. To oh no, no, yeah. it's totally cool. And, and after a month of that and going to the gym and I, my focus just shifted and I just felt a lot more peaceful. And I remember those days being some of the most peaceful in my life. I really felt like I had I had nothing pressing me. I had money saved up. I had a landscaping business as well that I had built in college. And I just had a lot of things set up for That's me. Such a Philly thing. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> oh yeah, 100%. <laughs> uh, but we had like 50 clients, so it was a legitimate business. So I believe you. Yeah, yeah. I believe you. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, I don't know when it was, but at some point during that summer, I looked at myself in the mirror and for the first time in my life, I was like really confident in what I saw. And I was like, you know, dude, like this is like where Instagram is starting to like kind of get warm in like 2015. I'm like, you know, dude, like there's people doing this whole fitness thing. Like you could probably do that, man. You should think about that. And I was like, okay, I'll think about that. <laughs> and like leading up to my, my dad's passing, I just felt more and more called to express myself in that way. And I set a goal, the first goal I ever set in my life for me, um, like right about the time that he passed away, I was like, hey, next year, I wanna do a bodybuilding show. I know it's gonna push me outside my comfort zone. I know it's gonna make me better in some way, and I know I can do it, and it's for me. And I was like, I wanna do that. So I committed. And, and you for, did it. Yeah, yeah, and for nine months, I was at the gym twice a day, um, getting in everything I could, learning, reading, like consuming information that was gonna help me move in that direction. And this is all around me having the hardest semester of classes that I ever had at Temple. And I was not a very good student. So like committing to like the finance class and the risk management classes while my dad's passing, cause it was in October. So it was kind of in the middle of the semester. 
And it was just like, it was a tough time, you know, coming home and seeing him. When did he put his arms up and tell y'all? What was the moment? Oh, that was like a year before that, a year and a half before. So it was probably like. Oh my God. So you're deep into this yeah. process of seeing him. Yeah. So at this point, he's like, you know, frail. I mean, he's got about no juice left at all. And he was kind of bedridden. So, you know, watching someone who I always deem is just such a powerful person. I mean, you kind of knew him. Like, whew, when he got going, that guy had energy. And just watching him like slowly wither away, you know? Yeah, no, the vibe he, the persona that I think most people would connect with him is uh, kind of, yeah, a, a roaring, not lion, but something really like loud and vocal that's <laughs> standing atop and, and commanding and roaring. And of course he was coach. He was yeah. the coach of, like we said, the swimming dynasty. Yeah. Do they still essentially still, win? Yeah, they yeah. win, yeah. Yeah, no, he he has a statuesque, um, powerful vibe about him, even in memory. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. You can make a statue out of him just standing outside the 100%. the locker room areas yeah. there. That kind of guy for sure. Yeah. Especially with his mustache. Oh yeah, the mustache was it was legendary, man. And mm -hmm. it's crazy. I didn't even see him without a mustache until I was like, you know, twenty. See, that's that's one of the scary things because I my dad has had a mustache. He is seventy two. Yeah. Uh no, he'll be seventy two this year. And he he had a scare in twenty fourteen. Fortunately it was a it was due to a genetic issue, not an actual heart issue. He had to get open heart surgery though. Um but needless to say, yeah, I've never seen him without a mustache. He's had one since he was uh younger than you. Wow. Um, I think I think early 20s. I've never seen him without. Yeah. It's weird. You're like, really? That's what you look like? You know what I mean? Strange. It is. Yeah. I haven't done anything for 50 years, let alone have the same facial hair. Yeah. <laughs> so the legendary stash for sure. It fit it fit your father well. Yeah. Um, you were saying though, he he's really close and yeah. you're you're doing this competition. You took on the challenge of becoming a bodybuilder. Yeah. Tech, yeah. Yeah. And but uh, it wasn't natural, so to speak. I, I so I was not so so basically like I, I was natural up until the last eight weeks. Yeah. Um, that was the first time I'd ever touched any and is performance enhancing kind of steroid. Technically. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Cool. What's so, that like? Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> wild everything uh, you hope for <laughs> it's 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 like you yeah. know what i mean it's like you're like on you know it's like it's like uh it's like you ever seen fast and furious the first one oh yeah. perfect okay remember the remember when he first gets nos and he like yeah. uses it too early yeah it's like nos mm -hmm. you just feel it you're like and right. you just you know but it's like uh it's like a focus and it's like extra umph. And it's like more of what makes us men. And it feels crazy. Like you for have recorded that. <laughs> it's so wild, man. And in college, you know, it was really crazy because I was like taking, whew, I was taking like pro hormones, which were like mock steroids. And I was also my, I had a roommate who was like, he was like a tech wizard at the time. And this is like, what, 2013, 2014. And he was like, you know, I had I had 83 Bitcoin when it was $200 a Bitcoin. 
Like that's the kind of kid I was hanging out with who like knew about how to use it to get drugs when like no one else could figure out how to do that kind of thing. And he was ordering all kinds of crazy stuff off the internet. And he ordered these, this meth paste and I was eating meth paste and I'd be at the gym for three hours, like just doing arms because it felt so euphoric. Like it was a combination of crazy, man. Like it was really a wild experience. But anyway, that's getting off topic. Back to the competition itself. The last eight weeks, I used a little bit of I think Anavar and a little bit of Winstrol, like not much at all, maybe like total 40 milligrams a day just to get myself really hard. I'm naturally a much like like wa more watery type person, more of a mesomorph type Swimmer body. Swimmer kind of vibe. Yeah. yeah, just like a bigger farm kind of guy. Less, less, and the guys that they want to win are like super ripped naturally, super lean and dry. And that's what they want in a men's physique look. Well, you're supposed to dehydrate, right? In order to yeah. really pop more. For sure. But for me, I had a hard time doing that naturally. And I also wanted to like make sure I was my best. So I was like, I'll try it and just give it a whirl. Um, and it was really, really, it was really crazy. But here's where it's really interesting. And this is where things changed. And I didn't, I wasn't aware of it. And I think if there's anything to take from the story, this is it. I did that for me. And then what I found was that once I did that competition, I had tons of, of stimulation and I was like, ooh, like I want way more of this, right? I wanna feel really good like this all the time. And I caught myself chasing this image of myself down the line that was like in the spotlight. And it went from something to establish myself for me to this thing that I wanted to be so that other people could admire. And that's where it shifted. After that first competition, I got really into it and I lost myself a lot. And I found myself like two years later, like, dude, what am I doing? Like, I don't want to do this anymore. This is stupid. Why am I standing on stage for people I don't know who are projecting what they want in a good physique onto me and then telling me I'm not as good as this person? It's like comparing Picasso and and, uh, and Da Vinci. You can't do that. That makes no sense. So when I finally got out of that, I realized that I'd spent so much time getting caught up in my own ego and I lost sight of why I originally started it. And it was really for an artistic creative purpose and for me to really move forward in my life and experience a new version of myself. And it got lost in this, I want an image. I like this persona. I want people to see me as this. I want to get more Instagram followers. I want to be big. I want people to know me, ah, all that, ah. And that's where things kind of like shifted. And so that when I say like, you know, my dad's passing gave me it almost was like the foundation on which I really rebuilt myself. It really gave me perspective of like, dude, like stop lying to yourself. Just stop, just be you, man. It's all good. You can like have Aragon in your office and people aren't gonna think you're weird. Like if that's on them, be you. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I love that. I walk in here, I'm like, dude, I got a map of Pennsylvania that's, that's like written in Lord of the Rings. It was just super neat. You know, I love that stuff. Oh no, that's, that's Middle Earth. That's what I meant. What did I say? Oh yeah, map of Pennsylvania, you said. Yeah, I have a Pennsylvania map that's drawn in the same uh, like Middle Earth type style. Oh really? Yeah, <laughs> this guy sells maps on Instagram of oh, every wow. state and country in, middle, in like Middle Earth style. It's super neat. Just to get it out of the way, probably the least important aspect of what you've been saying is I'm, I'm realizing, wow, to have grown up with social media in the way that you did, I technically was one of the first people, the first group um, to be introduced to social media and Facebook specifically in 2000, 
four when I was just starting college, wow. but I didn't really relate to it the way people relate to it today more with respect to mm. everything you just said about, um, it, it was literally just about connecting with your friends as opposed to a means to establishing your identity. Mm. And that's only become, for better or worse, something that I use it for in the context of business in the last couple of years, maybe, yeah, three years at most. So I'm new to that part of it. But to hear how you kind of, in a way, there was a very developmental step for you with that. Now, the perspective, of, I mean, you've been very clear with some of what I've seen on social media that you're, you clearly have a good relationship with it in yeah. terms of how you're using it now. And it's literally how you um, run your business, it yeah. seems. Yeah. And that's working for you. Yeah. Would you say that, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, do you think you could have gone through, for, I mean, God, the, the death of your father is such a huge piece of this, of course, but do you think you could have figured out some of the things that you've, you now see without uh, some of those obvious struggles? I mean, you talk about drugs, talk about having to literally experience the, <laughs> um, the, the emptiness of uh, having attention and realizing that it's meaningless yeah. without a certain foundation. Mm -hmm. Do you think you could have avoided that? Was all that necessary? I, I think that if I had had, that's a really great question. I think that if I had it's had. It's something I'm tempted to ask everybody. Yeah, when, like yeah. when it becomes, yeah. when it occurs and they think, I wonder, like, do you think that was necessary? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think that if I had had um, maybe different teachers, it might have shifted my perspective a lot. Because when I first, my first real teacher that I really connected with was actually my first personal trainer. And he was, he was, and the reason was because he was a coach. He wasn't, a, he wasn't just like a trainer and he knew me in a different way. And I really respected his skill set. He was a guy who coached with the New York Mets and was a strength and conditioning coach. And he really sat me down and was like, this is your vision. This is what it's going to take to get there. And I was like, I'm in, I want to do this. And he pushed me really hard, but he didn't like, he also didn't care. And that was what I needed. I, I needed someone to like, just tell me how it was. And he was the first person to really do that and just call me out. And if I wasn't like showing up, he was like, dude, what are you doing? Do you really want this? And just like made me think like, man, like, do I really? And so I think back, like what were, what were, what were the things that I was experiencing? Like growing up, I, I was like big into video games, like Zelda, the Ocarina of Time, Call of Duty. So like I spent a lot of time there. And the rest of the time I feel like was spent around sports and sports was status. Like for me, like if I was good at sports, um, I would be seen and heard. And I was the kid who was the class clown. So when I finally started to get stronger and bigger and better at sports, I was like, cool, this is a way for me to be cool. This is a way for me to get acceptance because I just couldn't, I couldn't find it in me to really give it to myself fully and just embrace the fact that like maybe- That hand gesture was interesting. What was that? Well, this? Yeah, the where. I was, I was really, it, it almost looked like you were intentionally doing it somewhere around your oh. um, abdomen. Was that not on purpose? Uh, I think I'm trying not to like pull the, pull the, <laughs> pull the cord. It might have been up here, but even still, maybe. May, yeah, I could be projecting, but I'll 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 note that for. I had a thought, but keep yeah. going. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that was something that I was experiencing, and if I think back, like I don't think that 
I needed to experience that to to really like grow in that way. But I think that the direction that I was heading in my life, like something was going to happen because I, I I wasn't I wasn't ready to accept myself, and I was willing to like really put myself in in uncomfortable situations and like you know grow a bigger illegal company until I get myself in a position where now I really don't have a choice and I have to reflect, mm. you know, and just like constantly running from that uh, moment of stillness and reflection and really getting clear on myself and what my intentions were. You know what I mean? So I, I wonder if I had different teachers or earlier teachers, what that would have been like versus me being like, I mean, heavily programmed. Mm-hmm. Like very, it's hard not to think about parents as teachers and therefore your father again coming back to him well yeah i mean and and very very indirect or direct yeah and very straightforward i mean when your dad is when you're six years old and your dad's like get up and go to practice at 6 a.m and you don't want to do it and that continues for years you're like yo i'm not gonna do what you say anymore man i don't want to how about that you know what i mean well there's Um, another aspect of it does that kind of um you know griffin's 10 I definitely don't do that, but I see the need for being more than mm. the kind of guy who takes him around to jump in the river and and hang out with people around a fire. It, there are, even when uh, you met me and you saw the way I was with him, it probably was clear that occasionally I'm bossy. I yeah. push him. I'm, I show him who's boss and right. I'm the authority figure. I don't know. I don't know if I could avoid that. And 10 years in, I, I can see how it's pretty inc- it's pretty important, but I certainly don't want him reflecting back at any point in his life thinking, yeah, God, he was such a dick. <laughs> yeah. um, so in the midst of parenting, I'm curious about all this because I fundamentally want him to accept himself. Yeah. Like you just said, that's kind of the key phrase. And I think we all have, I think we all deserve that as a minimum, you know, that's a that would be a good enough standard, and which gets to what I was curious about with the hand gesture, but or what it made me think of. It seems hard to know, um, not just from parenting, but just from like understanding how how can we really develop not only as men but as people. And I know you work with seemingly a lot of women, so you maybe have a perspective on that too. But I do specifically wonder just about men. Does it? Is there a way to develop without those kinds of um, having to stand apart, having to be in relationship to our fathers without that kind of animosity? Or, um, you know, they say even a figurative death of your parent is necessary. I think it's almost one of the things that somebody as famous as Jordan Peterson says. Like this is just a necessary aspect of your development. I don't know. It seems. That doesn't seem inherently true. I don't really know why that would be true. I think there's a way for us to appreciate ourselves and accept ourselves and love ourselves without those kinds of um, disruptions and that kind of discord. And <clears throat> I guess the uh, the specific question about men is, especially given what you've shared so far, is my perspective on a lot of men at this stage, especially the ones who clearly we have a lot of similarities in terms of how we grew up, it doesn't look like a lot of men are happy with themselves, to say the least. 
to, sure. I guess that's the easiest way to put it. It's not the norm, I would say. Or at least it doesn't seem like enough men are. And I'm sure that could be said for women too, but I don't want to speak for everybody. I just, I know a lot of men. Yeah. And I don't know a lot of them who are really sure that they are like, God, am I, am I okay as me? Yeah. Do I like me yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day? Right. I don't know. I don't know if a lot of them are, yeah. which is, which, yeah, it breaks my heart and it also motivates me because I, I think we deserve that, but I'm always interested in why. So <laughs> yeah, I, something about the hand down by the, yeah. maybe like the orange chakra, if you will, the yeah. groin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk about that at some point. Well, now's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, anyway, what, what was your thought? Yeah. No, just like that there's something about gender there. And I think it, was, it made me think of men mm. in gender. Yeah. Specifically. Men in general. Yeah. I think like. I think about men a lot. Yeah. I think like. So you know, that's a good sound bite. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think like one thing that was was really, really challenging and was. uh was was being in school and just being honestly now that I think about it man, being surrounded by so many girls at a really young age like you're looking for attention and when you see other guys that you're friends with getting it and you don't have it you're like oh something must be wrong with me because I'm not getting any and so then you like are looking for it in some way shape or form and for me I found myself being the goofball like if I could make them laugh, they'd be friends with me. But then I was also friend zoning myself. So like, you know, high school came <laughs> around and the perception of me was I was the goofball. So, you know, I, I you know, either way I was losing because I wasn't just embracing myself. Um, but I think there's a lot there. You were perpetually Ryan Reynolds with in just friends. <laughs> yeah, you could say that. Yeah, I was a pretty goofy guy. Uh, but dude, I, I think that it's, it's interesting because I work with about half the people I work with are men. Uh, I've started working with a lot more of them recently. And I'll, this is the other side of the coin. I think that men overall are just facing a lot less challenging times earlier in their life. And so- Less challenging. Yeah. Less challenging in the sense that we are given 100% autonomy over a control over a situation and then overcoming it. For example, me and me in school. I don't do good in school or I don't send any- um, What's applications out to a university, and then like I have the I have the counselor at school like, hey, you need to do this or else, and I'm like, eh, okay, I guess I'll do it. Like, there's no drive inherently for me to oh pursue an education. Like, I want that. I want to be this thing. This is me. This is the direction I want to go. It's like school, then middle school, then high school, then college, and then more school. Like, I've learned way more about myself being an entrepreneur and actually like first of all, having a vision and moving towards that and then overcoming obstacles that are in front of me and for me. And uh, I just feel like there's like a little bit less opportunity in some ways in that regard. And when I think about it, it's like I was at the Washington Crossing the other day and when I was there over Christmas last year, they did the reenactment. So are you saying at a younger age, less challenges? Yeah, they're like the, our times are so, it's so, it's we're not in survival mode. Yeah. So there's like nothing challenging us to, embrace masculinity on a deeper level and like forge a path forward what's unique about that today in 21 2021 though compared to even like the last 60 post-world war ii really the last 60 plus years well i think for one we have we have tons of exposure everyone can see us so like social media we're almost like naked 
And it's like, this is our, this is the best thing that we are and everyone can see it. And it's like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Well, we could be naked. All right. There's a couple of things you're saying. I'm not, I'm confused because you're saying less challenging. I'm, I, it sounds almost like you mean more challenging, but you, because we're not in survival mode, so yeah. to speak, so, or at least conventional survival mode. Right. You're saying it's less challenging. Yeah. So, to, so I see what you're saying. So, but I don't think most of us have been in survival mode for decades. Right. Arguably. Right. I guess then to so, a, de to a degree, I, I would say that the difference then the great equalizer is, is social media and just so much happening and so many, so many, uh, so many instances where we are trying to constantly project our best persona forward yeah. and everyone is judging it. It's like for judgment to a degree, especially if you're not aware of it or if you're, if you're not detached from that judgment that you're going to receive no matter what. And I feel like when I think about, when I think about myself personally, I don't think I was ever even like really, really challenged until I decided to do that bodybuilding show to a degree. Like, Cramming for a test wasn't yeah. challenging. I could do that. That wasn't hard. It just was a pain in the butt. <clears throat> but when I think about Alexander Hamilton at 22 years old at Washington Crossing, like that was a moment. You know what I mean? There's a lot going on there. And I'm not saying, oh, let's like, you know, go back to survival mode because I think what we're both talking about here is where's the happy medium here? How can we, how can we find ourselves with the great life that we are now living where we have things that are not challenging to a degree in that regard? And that have become challenging because they're not challenging. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I guess happy medium is a wonderful way to put it. I'll try to just make it as blunt and succinct as I can. My perception is that largely our, you know, the chickens coming home to roost, if you will, our pursuits of um, fulfillment, our, our pursuits of, so to speak, success and fulfillment, I think are largely proving to be kind of flawed and failed at the beat from the start. And it's not, I don't think it's a pessimistic point of view. I don't think it's nice to say, but I just think as a civilization, we're needing to be honest with ourselves that the way we're doing this thing is mostly not fulfilling yeah. and people are mostly confused about why are we even alive yeah. and why the hell am I doing anything? Mm -hmm. What is my, forget the cliche ways of asking what's my purpose, et cetera. What's the meaning of life? Like, why am I even still alive to be frank? Mm -hmm. That's what I notice a lot. If people are really honest with themselves, like why the hell am I even bothering? That's honestly what I see a lot. <laughs> I hear you. And it, and it comes in the form of living the dream. You know what I mean? Those, those, Which it, innately has a sarcasm to it. Yes. Yeah. Nobody says that authentically. It's like LTD, baby. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes, but that's a perfect example. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I hear that and when I do. But even if you're not aware of the, even if you're not that blatantly sarcastic yeah. right. or, you know, living with some awareness of that irony. It just seems, again, I don't think it's a nice sort of diagnosis. I don't, I don't think it's like easy to swallow this. It just seems hard not to admit if you really pay attention. Like people generally don't seem very 
pleased with what's happened and how they've organized their lives. And I know that I, I think oversimplifying is a really annoying tendency of mine, but it happened, but it, it, it's hard not to. And it seems I'd like to be proven wrong, but I have, it just seems like that's true. So, I mean, I think that, I think that that's, I think that being honest with yourself though, is that, is that first step to actually like maybe making a change to some degree. And so like people sitting in those uncomfortable feelings of like, I don't know what I'm doing might create the space for them to be like, I don't want to stay here though. You know, let's, let's go to Koru. Let's, let's, let's sit in a sauna and, and hang around that guy. He seems like he's in a better place than me. I don't know what that means, but it seems different. And, and what I've noticed is that for a lot of people that I've been coming into contact with and, and people that I come into contact with for reference and context, a lot of people in their 20s, um, mid-20s, they'll show up and like they don't know why they're called, but they just feel like something's coming here and I feel it. I don't know what it is. I'm a little nervous. Like you can tell there's nerves of like, uh, I'm gonna have to answer some questions and like I'm gonna have to like be real with myself and honest, but they also know that like it's gonna make me better because they have trust that the people that are leading them to a degree or that they follow on social media or that they spend time with, it's like, well, they just seem a lot more content and happy and peaceful with whatever it is, their little corner of life. And so I think like, you know, in that regard, like being self-honest and telling the truth in the way that it is, it's okay if it hurts, I think. But, you know, I know that, <laughs> I mean, that changed my life when I got a, a real dose of that. I was like, man, this is who you are. And I'll tell you the story about when I first realized it because it was a really powerful moment in my life. I was uh, I had this ID at Temple with my face on it and whatnot, so people could like, scan it, et cetera. So this one day, I am I'm like grinding up weed as a sophomore, and I'm like using my car to grind it up, and I was I was pretty high, and I like put my car down, and I put some weed on it, and I look at it, and half my face is covered in weed, and I'm like, that's how the world would see me right now. And it blew my mind. I was like, yo, dude, yes, you are a drug dealer. You can try and convince yourself you're just buying books or you have a couple extra bucks, but that is what you look like. That's the perception of you. And you can't run from that because it's actually the truth too. That is who I was at the time. That was what I was concocting and what I was scheming on the back end and you know, pretending like I was so cool and not telling people what I was doing and making late night errands. You know what I mean? And like that, that really hit me. And even at a time where I was like really warped in my own mind, but it like it shone through and I had truth right there. And I was like, damn, like, this isn't me. This is, this is where I am now. Where did Link go? Right. Where, where did this person that I saw myself, this, this character that I've always seen within myself, where did that person go? Where did that energy that was, that I felt in my youth that was so free, where is that? Now it's all wrapped up in this little card with this sprinkle over my face. And that blew my mind. That was a that, that was like one of the first times that I started to realize like change is coming for you whether you like whether you like it or not, Graham. And I had that intuition, and I was like, I don't know what's coming for me, but I'm, my life is not going to be what it's looking like it is right now. And I just knew that. And now you know, twenty seven, it's like okay, well, a lot more obvious that things have changed, and I feel really good, and that's great. You know what I mean? Sit in a sauna, sweat a little bit, hang out have some good conversation, look at Lord of the Rings and Aragorn and whatnot, Strider. And uh, yeah, that moment was big. And, you know, to your point, I just think like 
I know it, it, it does hurt. And I know a lot of people don't always want to admit it, but what I've seen from my generation, again, those mid 20 year olds is that they're starting to show up and are really curious. They're curious. And that's a good thing because if they just sit next to us for a little while, they're going to start to feel a little better naturally just being in our presence. Right. And mine and theirs. Right. Uh, but if you get a group of those people together and you bring someone, you know how it is a Koru. Like when, when a noob shows up, they're like, whoa, this is pretty cool. I feel really good. And they leave and they're like, ice bath. And people are like, and you're like, it's pretty cool, you know? So I just think that curiosity, I think that's that's that that's like a super big component. And I'm seeing that from a lot more people than I, I had ever seen it at a more rapid pace, which is really interesting. That makes sense. And that makes sense as to why you would have a, yeah, back to what you said about um, not being in survival mode and how there's this, yeah, you have an awareness that's largely, dare I say, sort of positive about where things are. I like that. And thanks for a couple of those nice shout outs. Yeah, um, there's a reason you just read, you said you just read Lord of the Rings, right? Plus, yeah, in the, in the just fall. Recently. Yeah, yeah, it was really, really great. Yeah, it wasn't just because of COVID. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to get back in touch. <laughs> yeah. And there's a reason I have Strider, as you've mentioned now twice so right dope. here. I love it. And in general, these kinds of, you know, forget the orcs, forget Mordor, forget mm -hmm. all of the fantasy stuff, just the the spirit and, like you said, the feeling that these kinds of images and stories and myths and possibilities inspire is, I think, exactly what I'm pointing to when I say... I don't have a point, by the way. I'm just acknowledging a question, which is can't our experience, at least mine, but I don't, I know it can't just be mine and Griffin's and my family's. It, it wouldn't be enough if it was just ours because I inherently am part of everything and part of a larger um, world, to say the least, whether I'm conscious of it or not. But can't our normal experience be inherently one of more consistent um, awe, A-W-E, that kind of curiosity where we're eager to literally see what there is to see? Not poetically, but literally, yeah. on a regular basis. Can't that be simply more the norm? And I know it can. Hell yeah, it can. Oh, yeah. All I'm, however... I don't mind being the, you know, the pessimist in any room. I don't think I am. I think I'm just asking a question that I feel comfortable asking. Is that the norm? Can it be the norm? Why isn't it the norm? Okay. Let's let's go see now. Let's acknowledge that. Let's be honest like you said. Honesty is key and let's go see. Um all of these tools that I've come to value largely are about that. To me, that's the, that's the hope is catalyzing the awareness that being with a sense of all could be normal. That's it. Honestly, I think that's it. Nice. That's what drives me at least. I love that. I love the word awe. I think it's a wonderful word. I think that you're the first person <laughs> to use it in that way that I've heard, honestly, from anyone in my life in the way you just said it, which I, I really enjoyed because I can see it's that's from a curious perspective of like, this is just so cool. 
Yes, yes. Curiosity is is in is required. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's required. I think that's what's largely missing, quite frankly, for a couple different reasons. And what's to me fairly obvious is that without that, we're we're in trouble. Yeah. For a handful of or there's a handful of indicators that we're in trouble without that. <laughs> um, but I also really don't want to take away from what you're acknowledging, which is that there's a there are there's maybe a whole generation or at least a um a good enough amount of people in a generation yeah. that are hungry for that yeah period there are, there are a lot. and i do know my son is 100 yeah. percent easily yeah. easily <laughs> yeah there are a lot i feel like there are I f it seems that there are at least from my my limited perception right very limited on social media. I'm mostly in touch with coaches, coach types, teachers, that kind of thing of the life context. Um, it seems there's a lot more students of life. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. I don't know. That's what I'm seeing. And I'm seeing people show up more and more for themselves and are curious and don't know what they're getting themselves into fully. But they're like, I trust, I trust this feeling I have. And I trust you. Because someone else you worked with or someone else that you're in contact with said that it changed their life and they feel more purposeful. And I also think that the connection with um, the psychedelic community is just so much more open. Like I have a client who runs ayahuasca retreats. Like never has that been so accessible. Like you can literally, if someone knows me and is curious, I can send them to someone who can facilitate an experience that you can't really explain but that changes you forever and well can change you forever i know it changed me so you know that's also so much more in reach and i just feel like that when you're a student of life you start to embrace it for what it is and that that creates joy because it's exciting and it's interesting and then you're curious and then that leads to something and then i'm curious about where did you get these statues and like how do you know about them and let me hear the story about that because you know i love history i want to hear about this guy who did this thing that at the, that to me seems wild today but at the time seemed like a good idea you know so i feel like those two things are things i'm seeing which are really making me feel excited and people are telling me that there are people even in the generation below that that are even like more aware at that at that age, which is really interesting. I don't know what that means. I don't necessarily know why, but I'm really excited about the 20 plus people that I get to work with that are in their 20s or early 30s that are students of life and are showing up and like they're impacting people every day. Um, and at least, you know, testing the waters and getting them to jump in the ice bath, right? Because if they jump in the ice bath, like you're gonna get cold. So something's happening, right? And at the worst, generate some new awareness. And from there, you know, obviously it's no one's responsibility except for your own to move forward and whatever that forward is for you. But uh, that's something that I'm excited about. I think that's kind of my disposition and why I have it. Granted, granted, my lens is very narrow. Like I'm almost only surrounded by that unless I come to the East Coast or I talk to some person over here, over there. And in which case, um, you know, then I get the living the dream thing. And then I'm like, yeah, <clears throat> something like that, dude. <laughs> Have a great day, you know? Maybe like ask them for their Instagram and connect with them. And if they follow and see what I'm doing, maybe that'll inspire them. And I have had instances like that where there was this one person I met in an Uber in Las Vegas. I got in the car 
and I just saw something was going on with her. So I started asking her questions and just like connecting with her. And uh, we've stayed in contact since. And she's like changed a lot just from being in contact and having conversations here and there and getting her outside of her normal scope in life. And, um, you know, that's, that's really cool that we can stay connected like that. And I have quite a few of those like adventure friends that I've made who I still stay in touch with and, and talk to from time to time. And like, I think from that perspective too, social media creates that ability of just like things are a little bit more accessible. And I think that can, that can perpetuate in either direction, right? In one direction, it's like, oh, you know, we've all scrolled on Facebook in the last six months and been like, dude, come on guys, what's going on here? But we've, I've also scrolled in the other direction and I look at what you're posting. I'm like, man, Colin is thinking and that is interesting. Like you're, some of the stuff I'm, you're reading, I'm like, that's something that, that I want to read and be more curious about. And so you posting stuff makes me like, oh, I need to, you know, that's something interesting. And, you know, it kind of creates that natural, you know, so there's a lot of interesting, cool things happening. I like your attitude about it, Graham. It's good. It reminds me of how we met. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Cur the curiosity piece. I'm, I'm going to really pay attention to that one in general because it's so it's a good indicator of where are you at for like if i don't feel curious i i think that's actually a good indicator yeah i'm not i gotta regroup i gotta re maybe rest a bit yeah. move around move around move around a little bit i think it's a good barometer to stay curious um last night it kind of came to me in a different way which is you have people have to want it or they have to be wanting they have to be willing, they have to invite it. Mm -hmm. You can't, I've known this for a while, you can't force things. Like, yeah. it's funny you bring up ayahuasca. I have a really good friend. We talk about, I guess you could say, the sort of silliness of language a lot. It's like, dude, if possible, if I could like nudge everybody just to fall into that fjord that I was in when I was 16, I'd do it if that was an actual option. Or if you could sort of like sprinkle psychedelic dust, like like <laughs> chemtrail style yeah. all over the place, that might be smart. But at the same time, you know people have to, I think people have to want it. So really what it comes down to is like whatever can whatever you can do to inspire that curiosity much. is valuable at this point. Yeah. Because... I think it's the only way. And I have I do greatly value things like um, whatever you want to call it, plant medicine. Yeah. I think Fantastic Fungi actually was the last movie I saw in theaters. It's incredible. It's a it's not necessarily focusing on psilocybin, more just the significance of fungus. Mm -hmm. Of course, magic mushrooms being one form of mm -hmm. fungus. And <clears throat> very good documentary. I, I've drank ayahuasca. I have no issue occasionally playing around with various things. I actually, in general, don't mind having a little bit of uh, alcohol pretty yeah. Yeah, every now and then. With you on that? Yeah. <laughs> Why not, man? With your buddy? is like, dude, sure. Yeah, the spirit is key. Yeah. I think all of it, though... Having done ayahuasca, which is considered to be, you know, pretty obviously uh, high up there, yeah. so to speak, in terms of efficacy, 
I can see how no matter what, eventually, like you're not telling your clients to just here drink this. <laughs> you have to you have to be committed to a particular kind of awareness, not just awareness, not just being, not just meditating, not just doing the things. And as I like to stay, sticking feathers up your butt to be a chicken. Um, there's a fun line about that's good. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> love that actually <laughs> never heard that one but that's very good i see that a lot sticking feathers up your butt does not make you a chicken i yeah. i'm prone to saying that one because you can you can get lost in your own um fraudulence mm -hmm. and, and absurdities and you got to remember like it's maybe yeah what what you're putting on doesn't necessarily as you noticed with regard to your original experiences with the bodybuilding and taking you know, sculpting yeah. like there may just be super something superficial. You may be hiding. So I guess in a way what I'm saying is no matter what helps you with that, that curiosity, I think you have to, and I don't like saying that too much because it kind of sounds like should, I hear you. but you have to be anchored in a kind of, uh, well, kind of what we started with, a specific... I think there are specific aspects to your identity that you have to establish. Meaning, if you, here's a better way to say it. I'm not sure it has to be that hard. Yeah. That's kind of the gist of what I've been thinking as we've been talking. 100%. I, like you said, if you had certain teachers at an earlier stage, Game I think the awareness that's possible and that kind of curiosity and how you identify and relate to yourself, how you relate to each other, how you relate to all of existence, so to speak, and be able to maintain that sense of all in relationship to existence, yeah. A-W-E. Yeah. I think that's actually very reasonable. I think it's actually very easy. I don't think it requires magic at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have like, first of all, I love all that. I mean, fantastic. And well, you've inspired me to go on my little rants. Oh, they're good. I love rants. Rants are great. There's, there's it, It's like that. You know, a rant might have a couple like great things, but you wouldn't get it if you weren't just like in the flow, you know? It's just like when you lift, you have a couple great sets. You're like, man, I didn't know I had that. That was, mm. but there's two things I wanted to say. No, I've been getting back into barbell lifting like, okay. a lot. I mean, yeah, dude, you, you're, For, you're legit, man. I know you're serious. I see you. But to the whole bodybuilding thing, you're also like, you're, you know, I know you're internally healthy too. You know what I mean? You take, it's, it's the whole circle. You, you take everything with a grain, you know, yeah. seriously to a degree. So the thing I was going to say though, that I think you would love, have you seen the new Disney movie spark? I'm um, not spark. Um, soul. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was, Curiosity, it's really sweet. Yeah. It's the spark. Yeah. That's all it is. And that's the whole thing is like, point. they just need to find your spark. Once you find something you're really curious about, you can be curious about other things. Maybe it's pizza. Maybe it's the sauce. Maybe it's the fact that the tomato was grown in this really special way. And that's just insane to think that a tomato needs to be grown in the specific conditions in order to be this, you know? And that's just so beautiful. And there's just so much happening in every little thing, right? And so I think like that movie is actually brilliant. And that spark, it didn't even really hit me what that was until you just said that. Of like, mm -hmm. oh, that's what they mean by spark. They mean you got to find something you're curious about. And for 23, it was pizza. She was eating the pizza and she's like, what's this? This is good. I want more. Where do you get it? How do you do it? Right? I'm in the chair. I'm in the chair. And I just thought that like, that was just so brilliant and well done. And I thought that just to echo that, I mean, man, like when you find something that you're curious about, sheesh, things do become all, oh, because then you're just like, there's no way. 
and and having something um, there's something in that awe that's like man there's more and that creates trust and, and there will trust. always be more yeah and if there's trust i can relax maybe i don't have to feel so nervous or scared maybe i can be more accepting because that mushroom isn't complaining it's just a mushroom and it's cool with that clearly right and the other part of this too is uh, maybe you've read this book autobiography of a yogi I have not read all of it, but it's certainly a popular one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, There's a great section at the end where Paramahansa Yogananda creates this uh, school for kids called the Ranchi School. And he teaches them spirituality from a very young age. And all of the work from that, that I read, granted I wasn't there, speaks super highly to its effectiveness of children actually dealing with themselves and discovering themselves at like six, seven, eight, nine. And when I think about where I was, I was in a little cell called social studies class where I had to raise my hand to do this. And I was bouncing off the walls because I just wanted to be a kid and have fun. And I had no awareness as to how I could control my own behavior because I hadn't practiced it at all. And all my teachers did were project. I was, I was annoying. So now I'm annoying. And now I go home and I'm going to be annoying. And so I'm always annoying. And now I'm just annoying. And now I'm annoying. And now I'm, I was annoying. And now I'm just sad. And like, it goes from this, I had a spark in the light to, yeah, it was okay, mom. Day was okay. I go home and where's my mom? She's working. And where's my dad? He's coaching me. And I'm like, Zelda, you know what I mean? Like something, right? And so I think there's a lot, I think that whole, uh, the way our education's set up, I mean, I just think it's ludicrous. I think that to put kids in a box is crazy. And you're literally taking away all their creativity and you wonder why I hate writing. But then I, now I find myself writing all, every day pages and pages and pages. And I'm like, I love this. How could I ever have not done this? This is the greatest thing ever. Every day I can create something new. I can learn how to command language to, to formulate a new idea or take an energetic expression and turn it into something that you can understand. Like that's, that's interesting, man. Like, you know, we could have like eight hours of conversation on the, the language, I'm sure. But, uh, I think that those two things, finding your spark, and I feel like being in a container where that's actually um, something that people are inspiring you to do is key, and we don't have that. There's nowhere where you're pursuing it. They say colleges, but general education classes is not it. There's no open communication channel because the teachers, they tell, they don't teach, and they don't engage in conversation. And if you do, they're like, I'm on my lunch break, and you're like, okay versus like what i'm experiencing with my students or the way that they coach each other i'm like wow there's something happening here like they're going back and forth what we're doing here and like new ideas are formulating and more awe and like that jet and we're gonna both leave this i mean i know i am gonna be like man that was what a day my girlfriend's be like yo how was your day I'm like it was crazy we were talking about the coolest stuff and guess what colin has like an aragorn thing like we're so similar like it's just so powerful and you can even feel it now the energy of me just raising so i just think like those two components right of like having more teachers at a younger age to really like create containers and safe spaces for the kids just to express themselves as kids and then teach them things that they can like teach them practices and tools that they can use to hone themselves in a positive way i mean that would do wonders and that will naturally generate a place for curiosity to come to life because i remember for me the times where i was most curious in school were on field trips and when we, when we walked out to, in science class, we'd walk out to like the creek. I'd be like, oh my gosh, there's an ecosystem here. I didn't know this. And I flip over the rock and I see this little crustacean and I'm like, wow, like, you know, all the life's connected. It's just so neat. You know, that's why Bill Nye was so popular, right? Cause he, I didn't feel like he was like yelling at me. 
or I wasn't going to get in trouble. I felt like he was like, dude, science is cool, man. And it's all around you and you can be a part of it too. And I was like, dude, I am a part of it. That's so crazy. Like electrons do this, you know, I just feel like more space for that is going to do wonders. And, and that's definitely one of the things that I'm passionate about. And one of the things that I'm working towards doing is creating those safe places so we can have conversation. Like I know I know things, but I also know that my students teach me way more than I know. Having conversations with them opens up all new vectors for me to think outside the box and come together to create something more succinct. So ah, it's just beautiful, man. I'm all fired up. I found my spark today, you know? <laughs> <laughs> You did, and it's it is lovely to see. I mean, I wish it wasn't because of the meth that I laced on the <laughs> oh, mic there. Oh yeah, right. <clears throat> I, We're turned now. I sprayed some <laughs> liquid meth on your microphone there. That's probably why you feel so good. It's been a while, man. Uh, there's a book over on my desk there called The Continuum Concept. I think you'd love it if you ever feel. It's a quick read. Okay. Um, all about specifically, I guess you could say. And, and amen to everything you just said. It was it was a wonderful. You're going to make it really easy for the editors to pick out some fun little sound bites. That's amen. for damn sure. So cool. thank you for that. Yeah. I know I will need us to end soon just because of, oh, of course, um, yeah. that client coming in, but this has been delightful. All I was going to say about that book is it it's written f primarily about how education begins immediately from conception, arguably even maybe before, maybe the entire process of um, development, it, it should be considered something that never stops. Like if right. you wanna be a parent, recognize the way you are right now is informing your children. It's Ooh, never that's ending. Right <laughs> Everyone needs to listen to that one like eight times in a row. That's Hence powerful. the continuum mm -hmm. concept. It's not, something that has a starting and a stopping. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It's wrong. Yeah. And it's never been true and never will be true. Thinking that way leads you to constantly being in relationship to everything with that kind of mechanical, cardboardy taste. My clocking out. Clocking out. My yeah. parents, why? Can we go play? Can we and of play? course, you know, not none of these kinds of ideals, if you will, I'm calling it that, mm -hmm. are, you know, to, to express these ideals is not to suggest that the ignorance is, um, is without context. I think I, I want to, we both clearly have a sense of empathy for why people wouldn't easily just <laughs> put down their, um, you know, close the laptop and, and just go have fun yeah. and just go be in a state of adventure. Like it's not supported. That's not what we're conditioned to do. That's, that's, it's a very challenging, I think in general, not necessarily for a lot of the people that you're describing that are so obviously um, curious, yeah. but to not feel that kind of curiosity is something that I, I know takes effort. It takes effort to develop for people. Yeah. And I know you know that too. And the key is that it can be developed if you want to, and it can be how you 
engage with everything if you want it to. Mm. And what's so fun about even just talking about it is recognizing, yeah, it does inherently start feeding you right away. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, we, you just walked in here. We didn't know what the hell we were going to necessarily talk about, but I, we've been texting about this for weeks and it's just been obvious when did we go swimming? Was it December? I yeah, mid-December. We went swimming. When did you, yeah, <laughs> we went swimming. Yes. We awesome, that's how dude. I thought of it. Yeah. That was great. When did we go swimming? Uh, that was mid-December. Like, yeah, it was mid-December. Yeah, we did our polar plunge, as they say. You'll notice the polar bears, I assume, as well. Yeah. Um, mid-December. And and it it was just clear because there is an inherent way of representing that curiosity. You know it's there with people. If you have you if you feel that spark within yourself, you know when somebody else has that. It's not even something you need to put into words. The funny thing about language is it ends up becoming the most entertaining thing you can do with language is just kind of laugh about it because yeah. like, oh yeah, well, that's just why poetry is so right. fun because eh, well, what else are you going to do? You might as well laugh about it and make music and fart jokes and just be kind yeah. of goofy with it. Yeah. Um, there was something else though about that book i forget but i i think you'd love it and oh just generally speaking i don't think there's anything we can do that's more this i love bill nye i like neil degrasse tyson even more because i yeah. just find him to be so consistently spot on with this like his almost entire mission is to inspire curiosity and a yeah. sense of awe right about life and i don't think there's anything that we need more than complete education reform oh yeah I if that. i could pick and I, I posted this if i could pick one thing it would be dramatic reformation of public schooling yeah like complete reformation of education yeah i think that is the only solution yeah. there are a lot of things we could do that may provide that are important no doubt especially with respect to seemingly the urgency of all things climate crisis right but for sustainable like real essence like you were talking about with yogananda for the essential kinds of um encouragement of a, of a new species a new or a new way of being human and to, to be in relationship to that spark like we fantasize with all of these movies and stories it has to be education reform i don't know how it could be any other way well it's interesting that disney chose that for the kids movie right i mean that's a start well, Disney's maybe, maybe always there seeds. pushing, especially with the Pixar stuff. They're always there pushing the envelope for uh, forcing you to question the norms. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's part of the fun about those movies. That's yeah. why they're so inherently so integrating, and adults love them too. Still of course. Awesome. <laughs> Toy Story, man. I just can't get enough. It's just, yeah. I mean, everything's just on point. And, uh, and you know, there's one thing that you said there that I think just needs to be highlighted, and that's to live in a state of adventure and letting everything become an adventure. Even my drive over here, I connected with a childhood friend's dad, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And then we ended up getting lost, and I was like, "Yeah, you know, we'll figure it out." You know what I mean? And just getting caught up in that moment to be curious, even with him. And you know, it brings me back to this one experience I had. I took LSD in college once and I was like, we were sitting inside and it was in Philadelphia. And so in the city, it's a really different experience. You're like, whoa, you know, I'm like, 
But I was like, I gotta get out of this house. So I was like, let's go get smoothies. So we like go to get smoothies and it took like two hours. We were like getting distracted and like looking at stuff. And it was just the most, it was awe. The whole thing. I was like, dude, that was an adventure. Any other time, be like, hey, we're getting a smoothie. Yeah, it's a smoothie. It's really good. Fruit, banana, delicious. That was like a whole thing. And, uh, you know, there were some close friends I had in college that that was a real bonding moment for us of just like, dude, we all experienced that. And we were all like, why don't you guys want to? Because there were guys with us that just sat around. I was like, what? I was like, dude, this is crazy. Philadelphia is out of control. I just saw a person do this. There's a guy over there doing that and doing this. They're all living in totally different realities, but are in the same block. Someone tell me what's going on here. I, I got to know what's going on, right? Just like break, ah, you know? So I love that. And I think that if there's anything people can take from that, it's like working, not working, letting yourself get to a place to experience a state of adventure. You don't need to work it, let it. It's already there. You got to let go to experience it, right? As soon as I let go of me be like, oh crap, I'm going to be late. I was able to experience connecting with that guy and talking to his son who I haven't talked to in five years. Right. So just like the little things, the thing is that we get so caught up up here and I feel like right now it's like we're shifting and we, it, it would, I have found it to be beneficial for me in my life to work myself out of here and into here so that every day I find time for me to play and just have fun. And, uh, you know, I'm always trying to throw it back and you're going to love this. I did an ice bath at a, at a retreat recently and I sang, um, all the toy story songs while I was in the ice bath. I was just singing like super loud and just like getting into it. And it was just amazing, man. Like just a, a prolonged state of adventure in that bathtub, experiencing something that really just represented to me like ultimate freedom of like Buzz flying and, you know, believing he could do it. And I think that's also the other half of this, Colin. It's like, if you don't believe a state of curiosity is possible, then you have already put yourself in position to not be able to experience it. And I feel like there's a lot of that too. Of like, I don't believe that I can feel that way anymore. Like, I don't know. Like, this is how it is when you get older. This is what adult adulting is code for. I don't know how to have fun anymore without feeling stressed. And versus like, hey, there are ways we can deal with the natural stressors of life to make them feel differently. And you could still have fun and be you, right? And uh, I'm noticing that a lot lately is that I know a lot of people know stuff, but I don't know if they believe it. And if you don't believe it, it's like Santa, you know what I mean? All the kids movies are like, oh, I forgot about Santa. And, uh, and then, you know, in like the Santa Claus, he, he sees it and he's like, oh, and the meter goes up, you know, it's like, I believe such a different energy than like, yeah, I know it. Everyone knows everything. We all know this, right? <laughs> right. Socrates had to teach me that one like 800 times before I finally realized what he meant. But, uh, you know, I see that all the time. Everyone's just so smart. And because they're so smart, they're actually unable to really feel. And they lose sight of that. And then they lose sight of the adventure. And like, you don't, you know, just be in there with it. And, you know, all of us, and, you know, we had, we did that uh, ice. We did the, the We swim. went for a swim. Went for a swim. <laughs> we had our one friend, Eric. He was very curious about how cold it was going to be. So he sprinted in. <laughs> he learned that one. You know what I mean? We'll leave it at that. As the shoes are floating down the river. You know what I mean? Oh my God. Do you remember right. that? He, he, was, he was screaming yeah. and yelling. Thought the cops were going to come for us, you know? Amazing. Begrudgingly, I need to, I need to go. Yeah, 
I'll leave with this question um, because there's really nothing more to add. Everything, it's been a delight just reflecting on all and I and so much. Um, I suppose just for myself, there's a there are a lot of people in my life who really want to just catalyze the feeling and for the feeling to be the key and to inspire that that possibility that will that awareness of, and that spark and i think it is great i of well no i think it's exactly what's needed and i am particularly drawn to um understanding why things are the way they are it seems like a an inevitable gravitational force for me right. <laughs> and i i'm i think it would be good for more people to understand the why and to be excited about the spark but i wonder do people really need to know why is that important do we need it i'm not sure i i I know I'm. I care about it. It's part of my curiosity. But I wonder: Do people really need to know the why? I don't know. What do you think? I think they just need to trust it. It being the feeling, the spark. They need to trust that not knowing is okay. Well, there's, let me clarify: not knowing the why is, is not the same as like you just said about Socrates mystery is inevitable and the unknowable is part of life and that's a good thing and that's never going to stop and realizing that is part of how you can be so delight be so just childish and have that childish all and um play realizing that the embracing the fact that mystery is is good and it's part of existence that's not what i mean by the why what i mean by the why is I'll leave it with this. I believe there are reasons that so many of us are essentially <laughs> high-functioning, neurotic, ob- obsessive, compulsive nut jobs. Yeah. And I think it's important to understand why, maybe so that we don't continue reinforcing that. I also wonder, well, if we just changed the patterning and and focused on the spark so to speak would we have to understand the why i don't know just question for myself i guess but i i'm in i'm partly excited about unpacking the why because i think there are some really important uh global lessons that we are missing in that regard one of them being trying the fact that to try to be in control is destructive with a certain context. <laughs> sure, I hear you 100%. It's so just a question that I'm, yeah. I ask myself all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, I, well, just for, for I know you, you got to go in a minute, but I, I do agree with what you said about um, if we shift our awareness, right? We may not even need to, right? To a degree. Yeah, so the question is, again, though, who is we and what would enough of us, what's enough in terms of that we like i imagine just 
people who are deeply engaged in certain um, religious belief systems, mm -hmm. even the ones that are perhaps most close to home, I suspect Christian. I went to a Christ Christian high school, as you know, raised Catholic. There's no doubt in my mind that many concepts that are foundational for Christianity, and my degree, by the way, is religious studies, so I do feel relatively competent about discussing this. I don't know if it says it on there, but in Latin. Oh, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was reading that earlier. Well, degree, I was yeah. trying to read it <laughs> the Did you see my face? Yeah. I was like, why does he have a Latin thing? I love it, dude. Yeah, it's cute. Beautiful um, language. I, I am drawn to understanding these stories, and I, I, I have no doubt that they are destructive in this particular way of creating a way of being that is inherently very mechanical and I would call it neurotic and certainly counter to the message of soul. Yeah. I have no doubt. So given how that's a lot of people, I wonder like, well, do they need to be, do they need to realize that? Is that part of their process or could they just find their spark? Uh, that's <laughs> what you're saying. So I, I hear you. That makes more sense now. I, I see exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Visually, I see it. Yeah. Yeah. So the context matters. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Big time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we don't have to have an answer. Just an important you question. Can, you, if whoever's listening can answer it, right? Yes. There you go. Well said. You answer it. We got to go, dude. Cool. Hey, man. <laughs> Are you going to sauna? Pleasure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Good. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Really. This was fun. Thank you. All right. Ta-ta for now. Adios. Well, what else can you say, folks? I think we need to just leave it at that. Graham, that was extraordinarily delightful. I look forward to our relationship growing. That's that's it. That's what this whole thing is, relationships. Your relationship with yourself, with everyone around you, with all of life, with existence. That's reality. Relationships, being in relationship. Glad to know you, Graham, and I'm glad you listened to this podcast. I appreciate it very much. I don't ever ask for this stuff, but if you do feel, or I rarely ask for it, if you do feel inspired to comment, contact me directly, ask questions. Um, obviously, there's that whole subscribing and liking thing. Please do. You know, I partly do this for me, <laughs> largely, I guess you could say. But I'm always thinking about what's a listener getting out of this? What is a, who are, who is listening? Why are they listening? And how can this be more of what you need? Movement matters. It, it certainly does. And that's what this is. And that's what I'm declaring. And the more, as I was sort of saying to Graham, the more I pay attention, which I can't help but do, the more I see what's in front of all of us, I do believe embracing the simple and not shockingly to me, because the two tend to go hand in hand, simple and profound 
principles, if you will, of, of being human, if we embrace them together, this all and, and this ability to be an all normally is real. It's not just blowing smoke. It's not just nice prose. It's real. It's fact. Let me know what you want. Let me know what you think. I appreciate it. For now, au revoir. Have a lovely rest of whatever is going on for you right now. Thank you.